Hi guys and welcome to a new Bombazo episode and as you can already hear it's not sounding like normal because I do not sound like Lee Roden or at least I hope I don't. Uh, as you probably guessed this is Alex and this week I decided to ditch my co-host or actually he kind of decided to ditch me. Um, bit of a broken heart about that but he's coming back for the for the next episode and instead I decided to bring in someone I like more so it's gonna work out perfectly uh, so we have a different episode for you today and a special guest and what we're going to be doing today is we're going to talk about Liga Ibedrola which is the women's league in Spain and we're going to do it with an expert on the topic Elisa Revuelta who is a sport journalist working for FIFA digital platforms with an extra focus on national teams and women's football Uh, Elisa was also covering Spain during this summer's Women's World Cup, just as I was covering Sweden. So I think we got a pretty good uh, vibe going here in order to cover the Scandies, but mainly cover the Women's Football League. So to start with, it's great to have you on board, Elisa. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Alex, for uh, taking me the opportunity to to join uh, to this uh, Bombazo podcast. And uh, let's see how it goes. Perfect. So the idea with this is basically to give some kind of introduction to to the Spanish league and the women's football, which I wish I knew more about than I than I do. So it's perfect for me to learn and also get our listeners to learn a little bit about this league that is come, growing all the time. Uh, so to start with, I would like to just ask you, how would you generally talk about the the women's league in Spain? What what level is it on comparing to to others in Europe, etc.? Um, well, uh, Primera Iberdrola, which is the, the new name of uh, Spanish Women League uh, ahead of uh, from this season on, um, it's considered um, one of the four biggest leagues in, in Europe. So if in men's football we usually talk about the big five, in this case, uh, Spanish Women's League, it's part of what it is called the 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 big four uh um uh english uh, league uh french league and bundesliga are also part of this uh, big four and uh i'd say uh spanish league is not as strong as uh, bundesliga or french league or english league but they are getting there so the evolution basically is being huge on the last four seasons. And uh, the perspective uh, ahead to the future, it's, uh, it's quite uh, interesting, I would say. And uh, from a Scandi perspective, I don't know if, if you can say this, but how, how would you compare the Spanish league to the Swedish league? Mm, I think uh, the, the, the problem with, uh, with a Swedish uh, league is that even though uh, traditionally, Uh, Sweden, uh, I mean, the, the, the tradition in, of women's football in Sweden is, is uh, much, uh, um, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, bigger than, than in Spain for sure. And uh, women's football is, uh, it's been developing uh, for longer in, in Sweden than, than in Spain. But uh, nowadays, uh, when it comes to budget and especially When it comes to what what uh, the players uh, think uh, in terms of uh, being in an interesting league, and so they tend to prefer uh, going to uh, Bundesliga or Premier or 
uh, French league, and now they are also beginning to to think of of Spain. I don't know if the if it's the weather, Alex, <laughs> but uh, but I think that the Spanish uh, the Spanish league offers this kind of uh, you know technical football that it's been a characteristic in Spanish football for men's uh, football and and also in women's football now. Yeah, and I feel like from when I first moved to Spain, which was back in, in 2012 and to today, the, the Spanish women's football have changed very rapidly in, in terms of how big it is, how uh, accepted it is. And it's become, and at the same time, I feel you can see if we would keep on talking about Sweden and Spain in this sense and, and comparing how leagues like you're, you're talking about, like the Spanish league, the French league, etc., they are developing very fastly and very quickly and because you have this already this uh, long culture and tradition when it comes to the men's side you already have the the knowledge the coaches etc and you bring that over to the women's side that develops much quicker while the women's game in sweden for example in in my eyes stands a bit more still in, in that sense in the development that other countries are kind of getting uh, in the same level where, where Sweden have been. So if Sweden have been above a little bit before because we started with women's football and making it professional a lot quicker than, than most uh, of Europe, now the rest of Europe are kind of getting getting back on track and passing us in, in that sense. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely agree, agree with this. And um, let's see, uh, because this is developing so fast and this is growing so fast that um, who knows uh, what's gonna how's gonna be uh, European women's football in the in the next uh, four or five years and if we we stay with the the Swedes and Spain I think it, it's would be interesting to talk a little bit about Tacon or Real Madrid or Real Madrid or Tacon or what you would like to talk call it <laughs> uh, so we have our two two Scandies uh, or two Swedes to to be precise in Sofia Jakobsson and Kosovara Aslani who we've talked a little bit about before on this podcast uh, who has signed for Tacon that is going to become the Real Madrid first team next season and what I find quite frustrating in one way and interesting is when Swedish media has been reporting about this, because uh, it's obviously very interesting to have Swedes playing for Real Madrid, uh, which doesn't happen very often. They always say that, okay, so Aslani and Jakobsson have signed for Real Madrid and they never even mentioned the existence of Tacon. So I feel, think it could be quite interesting to actually give the entire story. So what really is going on here? Is it Tacon or is it Real Madrid or where are our Swedes really playing? <laughs> well, um, actually, right now it's Tacon. So, um, so next season will be Real Madrid. And this is, uh, I'm agree with you, like uh, this season, it's uh, kind of uh, the club is like in a, the team is like in a transition period. And uh, I think it's, uh, it was actually, it was a surprise because uh, Real Madrid did the announcement of uh, buying Tacon during the World Cup. And uh, many of the journalists that were there were like, wow, what's going on? No, because uh, it, it wasn't very clear what's going what's gonna to happen. And um, yeah, this is like a transition year. So basically we have um a team that was created several years ago by um 
by Anna Rosell, who's uh, still uh, TACON's president. And uh, she began from, from the lower divisions. And uh, last year, for first time in uh, TACON's history, uh, the club got promoted to the, to the first division, to La Liga. And uh, that, in that moment is when Real Madrid decided, or, or at least announces, um, that they are uh, gonna gonna merge with uh, Tacon to have uh, a women's football team, but uh, the situation right now is that uh, we have uh, a roster with uh, players that comes from the second division or even lower divisions, and then we have uh, big names like uh, like uh, Kosovar Aslani or Sofia Jakobsen. So uh, it's kind of, uh, I mean, I don't think it's, this, this uh, season is going to be easy for the team for many reasons. So we, we basically have a team which is mixed with second division players and some of the bigger names in women's football and not really a balance in between it. Is that a correct assessment, you would say? Yes, the, the thing is that in... Um, that part of uh, the roster, which is uh, made of uh, players that come from the second division, like uh, in that uh, part, of the, I mean, there are players that are quite interesting. For example, um, Paraguayan forward Jessica Martinez, who is, I think she's uh, 20 or 21, and she's already played four uh, youth uh, World Cups. And uh, Lorena Navarro, another forward, she's Spanish, and when she was 16, she was the golden boot in a, in under 17 uh, Women's World Cup. So, I mean, they are, ta they are talented. I think they, they have good skills, but maybe they have a lack of experience playing in the elite. Uh, and uh, then you have, you know, those big names. And apart from Aslani and, uh, and Jacobson, um, Tacon has signed other veteran players that have uh, experience in the first division, uh, like Aureli Cathy, like the Brazilian Diane. But uh, they didn't have, uh, like, in my my impression is that they they didn't have uh, time to you know uh, do like a proper mix in between the an experienced player and experienced players because La Liga was you know just beginning and uh, I think they are suffering because uh, it's not uh, yet a, a team properly. Yeah, and so now we're eight matches into the season and they've won, I see, one match so far, two draws and five defeats and are second to last in the table. Is that a surprise or is it quite expected that they are that low in the table? I mean, I, I think uh, at the beginning of the, of the season, uh, not even, maybe the fans were expecting that, but I think uh, experts on, on Spanish women's football definitely never thought about uh, Tacón, you know, fighting for the title or something like that. But one thing is, you know, trying to fight with the title with the two biggest teams, which are Barça and Atleti, and a very different thing is uh, being, uh, you know, 
just having to score nine goals and having conceded 24 goals after eight games. And uh, especially the beginning of the season was very tough for the team because uh, on, on the first game was against Barcelona and they lost uh, 9-1, which was like, uh, I don't know if a big surprise because uh, Barca now, it's like, uh, I mean, the team, it's, uh, it's one of the, the best teams in Europe, no doubt about it. But um, it looks uh, like Tacón is uh, struggling, you know, in this debut in, in La Liga. And then you see other, uh, the other debutant team, which is Deportivo de la Coruña, and they are third in the table. So, and they don't have uh, the budget uh, Tacón is having this season. Uh, and, you know, uh, co co you know uh, comparing is, is always a problem. Yeah. So, but so, what should we really expect from Tacon this season? Should we expect them to to better themselves a lot and actually go further up in the table? Should we more expect them to actually might struggle and and be fighting for relegation come the end of the season? What do you think? The the main uh, goal for Tacon this season is uh, to not be relegated. To be honest, but that was also the main goal for Deport. Of course, uh, probably by the end of the season, Deportivo is not going to be third in the table but uh, at least they they the adaptation to the to the new uh, category to uh, primera división is not being that, that painful and uh, maybe that's what uh, makes uh, tacon situation a little bit uh, shocking so what happens next season for if we look at Tacón is supposed to become Real Madrid next season. What happens if Tacón are, are relegated? Are we going to see... Is it still going to be Real Madrid and we're going to see Real Madrid playing in the second division of Spanish football? This is a good question, actually. But uh, as uh, the merge with uh, Tacón was already approved, we would say uh, even if uh, Tacón is relegated, um, I guess... Uh, this project is gonna is gonna continue, and uh, probably um, when we open the new transfer window in winter, uh, Tacon will continue signing players in order to um, try to balance uh, the squad. And um, let's see how it goes. Because uh, one good thing about uh, La Liga is that it's a very long tournament. Actually, it's longer than the English league or or Bundesliga, I, I think, because there are 16 teams. That gives you opportunities of improving in the second part of the tournament. And it's obviously very early in the season and very early for the Tecon project or Real Madrid project or, or what to call it. But one thing that I've also is a little bit uh, thinking a little bit about and, and how it's going to turn out is with this Galactica stars that they've signed because I noticed at least from from the Swedish players from Jakobsson and Aslani that it feels like they didn't really understand what they got themselves into when they signed for for Tacon. They more probably signed mostly because they wanted to, to play for Real Madrid and I'm pretty sure that they understood that it was a big step down that it's a newly promoted club and all this but maybe not how far down the level was from where they've been playing before when it comes to both the team and the structure around the team. Do you think there is a risk for, for this Tacón Real Madrid project that that some of these players might leave before it really becomes what the what the club is hoping for, for it to become? When both uh, Aslani and Jacobson decided to join uh, Tacón or the future uh, Real Madrid, maybe 
they were expecting that uh, the level uh, was going to be a little bit uh, higher. But uh, I also think that they were thinking, if not uh, long on long term, but but in medium term, like uh, thinking, okay, we join now, we make history. We know these clubs. This club is uh, has no experience on on Primera, but in one or two years, uh, this is going to be a different project, and we want to be here from the from the beginning. So let's see. I mean, I think that uh, with uh, the transfer window uh, we have um, in one month, more or less, and. Um, if uh, I mean, if that, especially if the team um, is not relegated, I'm I'm sure that you know the brand uh, Real Madrid uh, will uh, will attract uh, other players. And uh, I mean, you can uh, build a, a team from the from scratch and pretend that you are you know uh, on the elite of women's football uh, from the very beginning. But uh, why not? thinking of, you know, uh, a, a big improvement uh, in one year. Yeah, and I we're also going to talk a bit about Barca and Atletico Madrid, of course, as the two big teams. But before we do that, I think, speaking of Ticon, it's uh, actually a pretty good way to go over and speak uh, about Deportivo La Coruña that you talked a little bit before about before, because they are not too unsimilar to, to Ticon in the sense that it also is... Uh, club that, that merged with an already existing club uh, and then later won promotion and are newly promoted to the first division and they're doing really really well as you said they are third in the league what have they done this season that is different from Tacon or different in general that why are they up there why are they impressing so much well actually I think they are the big big surprise of of this season so far um, because I think not even in their best dreams um, the um, the the coach or the players of uh, Deportivo expected this amazing uh, beginning of the season. Actually, they they lost uh, last weekend against uh, Atleti, but they they had been if if uh, if we count the the games we they they were unbeaten in second division and this amazing. Uh, start of, of this season in Primera, they had a strike of 40 games unbeaten, which is amazing, I think. And what's the secret? Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, to be honest, um, I don't know. I think uh, football is uh, very unpredictable and probably this is the reason for what we love it too much. Essentially, the, the, the squad is the same. They had in second division. They they signed a, a player, um, a young and very talented player who was also playing in segunda division, which is Atenea del Castillo, uh, who plays uh, for Spanish national team of categories, and she's very good. But actually, I think the the secret of this successful uh, start of the season is is just the the team itself. The, the striker, the Venezuelan striker Gaby Garcia um, has uh, scored six goals in eight games, which is uh, very important, obviously. 
And, uh, and the team is really is working really well as uh, collectively speaking. And also they, they do have uh, good uh, individual skills. And I think uh, they are a very united team. And I think this is, this is probably what, uh, what explains uh, what they've been doing so far. And what I also like with the Deportivo as a club and how they have uh, gone into the season from the start is how much they have actually been promoting the women's team. Uh, now their men's team is actually playing in the second division. So uh, that might be also a reason why they, they rather focus on, this, on the team that is successful at the moment. But their men's team is very historically in, in Spain. But basically they've used the, the women's captain uh, as the, the main figure for most of that verse they've been doing, which is about both teams, but she's like been the front person. Uh, and I quite really like that. And it shows a bit of how Spanish football and women's football is, is changing and becoming more and more bigger and bigger in, in Spain in general. But moving on to uh, the two big ones. So in women's football in Spain, it's not about Barca and Real Madrid. It yes. is about Barca and Atletico Madrid. These are the two classic teams, the teams that be, that challenge each other for a title each year. Um, and if we start with Barcelona before we go to the team that I know you care the most about, um, Barca has uh, been one of the top teams for, for quite a few years now. I remember when I lived in, in Barcelona, it was kind of the start a little bit of the, the women's team. I think it was in 2011, if I'm not wrong where the club decided to actually invest, invest in the women's team. Uh, and they went on to, to win the league for, for the first time uh, ever. And then they just continued to be very dominant. They've gone very far in Europe as well. Uh, what, why, why do you think Barcelona cared so much about focusing on women's football before for many other clubs or big clubs in Spain did? Well, um, actually, the, the thing is that uh, Barcelona, as, as a city, um, we can talk about a long tradition of women's football because before uh, even Barca was uh, really investing uh, in women's football, we had Espanyol, which, uh, which by the way, this season is, uh, is struggling a lot. And, um, and actually now they, they are the, the last ones in the, in the table, which is, uh, which is a pity because... Uh, in the like in the last decade, um, that team, the academy of that team, um, from that academy, we we have uh, had players like Alexia Putellas, which is uh, the captain of current Barça, or Marta Torrejón. So we are talking about big names, uh, Veronica Boquete, uh, who is considered the best ever Spanish player. Uh, also played in Espanol. So I think there's like a, you know, like a, a long uh, tradition of women's football in, in Barcelona. And now uh, it, Barca is the one that is uh, investing. And when you were talking, when we were talking about the Deportivo and you, and you were explaining that uh, the club is uh, using the captain of the women's team, you know, for the ads and the commercials and so for example, uh, now we have uh, in Camp Nou, uh, there's like a big, uh, um, like a big uh, ad of uh, Barca players and Lique Martens. Lique Martens is is one of those uh, players. So it's uh, basically it's a 
is a big poster of the candidates to the Golden Ball. And uh, they have the four male players that actually play for uh, Barcelona and are nominated to the, to the award. But as Lique is also nominated, they also have her in the same poster, which I think is amazing. It's beautiful. And we have, uh, speaking of Scandis, because this is Scandinavian podcast, <laughs> even if we talk about Spanish okay. football, uh, we have a Norwegian playing for Barcelona in Caroline Graham Hansen. Uh, how, how is she doing in Barcelona? What is her, her status there? I, I know we are just at the beginning of La Liga, but I put bet that she's going to be the MVP of, uh, I mean, this season. Uh, she's an out. So, so, so basically, the MVP of the men's league is going to be Odegaard. <laughs> the MVP of the women's league is also going to be a Norwegian. Are, are the Norwegian? There's only one in each league, and they're taking over. Is that what's happening? Well, I'm not that convinced about Odegaard, but uh, but uh, but it's okay. But about Hansen, no doubt. I mean, she's uh, she's amazing, to be honest. And uh, the fact that she decided to join uh, Barcelona, I think this means uh, first. That uh, she's uh, that Barca is definitely has definitely become one of the best clubs in Europe. She's, I mean, if she's in Barcelona, is is because she's convinced that Barca sooner than later is gonna win the the Champions League. She's making the difference from from the very beginning of the season. Like uh, she, I mean. Uh, the attacking system of of Barca uh, used to be very good. But now with Graham, it's just it's just incredible. I mean, she's so good, so talented, and and she's unstoppable. Like uh, the other, the fullbacks of the other teams uh, are gonna suffer so much this season to try to stop her. So is it going to be Barcelona winning the league, or do Atletico Madrid have a chance <laughs> to to challenge them? What do you think? Well, um, as an Atleti supporter, <laughs> I um, uh, I'm. I, I do have my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm confident, but I think that Atleti is going to fight until the end, for sure. And actually, they've won the last uh, three ligas, so that means something. And even though the um, Barca's budget, it's almost double than Atleti, Atleti's budget. But uh, I think that uh, Barcelona has made everything to win um la liga this season like uh, because apart from hansen you have uh, oshoala jenny hermoso who is uh, the best spanish player by far um she's back in the team as well so and there and then you also have uh, young and talented players like patrick guijarro or aitana bonmati that also can make the difference so for me, they are the big candidates. And actually in the first uh, Clásico, because here, as you said, we, what, what in women's football uh, we call Clásico is not uh, Atleti, uh, Atleti uh, Barça Real, but uh, Barça Atleti. And the, the result was uh, 6-1 for Barça. So that means uh, they are getting to probably a, a, a different level, but... Um, the problem with uh, with Barca in in on last seasons and on the last two three seasons was that maybe they were winning uh, the duels uh, the direct duels against uh, Atleti, but then they were losing against other uh, more humble teams, 
like Sporting Huelva or, or you know, smaller teams. Actually, uh, at the beginning of the season, of this season, they got a draw against uh, Rayo Vallecano. So you never know. And moving on to, to Madrid then again. Uh, so the other week, you actually brought me to watch uh, Atletico Madrid Feminino play Manchester City in the Women's Champions League, which was quite quite an incredible experience. Uh, full stadium, 2,500, is that it? The, the attendance, I, I, I think? I think it's uh, around 2,700, but more or less. 2,700, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, what I've noticed with Atletico Feminino in, in general, we've also seen when they before when they got to play at Calderon, etc., that they have a very great fan base and there is a lot of interest around the team. Yes, yes, no doubt um, about it. And even though the the new stadium for the for the women's team is uh, is not uh, in the city, actually, is. Uh, in Alcalá de Henares, which is uh, like 30-something kilometers far from Madrid, people people are going. Actually, I think uh, for a normal Liga game, uh, you are always going to have at least, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000 people there because uh, they they are really supporting the team and not just this season. Or the or last season, but this is I mean this is of course as in 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 Spain, women's football has grown a lot from 2014 until now, but this support is also been uh, you know from in 2014 you also had uh, this team had also a a good support from fans so so I think uh, this. Uh, I mean, in this club, this is not because I'm an athletic supporter, but in, but in, or not only, but uh, but let's say that uh, in this, uh, in athletic fans take very seriously about uh, care, do care about uh, women, about uh, the women team, and and they they really are are gonna support them. Yeah. And so in this match was quite an historic one as well because uh, Atletico Madrid knocked Manchester City out to reach the quarterfinals of the UEFA Women's Champions League uh, for the first time ever. We have already, as we talked about before, Barcelona has already made kind of a mark in, in Europe. They were in the Champions League final last season. Uh, the result in that final wasn't the best, but just the fact that they got there was was huge. And now we have Atletico Madrid reaching a quarterfinal. How big is that for, for Atleti and, and how far do you think they can actually go? Well, actually, if you remember, um, we we met the the president, Lola Romero, and she was she was like uh, almost jumping, <laughs> you know, she was so happy. And I can understand because... Uh, Atleti, um, the problem with uh, Atleti in the Champions League is that um, the, the, the competition uh, system, uh, we don't have, uh, we don't still have a, a group stage uh, and it's just, uh, you know, there's a draw and, uh, and, and it's, uh, and it's uh, two games, one home, one away. Uh, against your rival and and the one in, and the one it uh, gets uh, the better result is the one that um, goes through and the problem with uh, Atleti is that uh, last uh, three years uh, they were facing uh, always the, the the best teams like uh, so they were very unlucky in the draw they always 
were um, having to play against Wolfsburg, which is, a, I mean, which is uh, one of the best in, in Europe, or Olympique de Lyon. So they were unlucky. And, uh, and the fact that this season they, they finally could make it to the quarterfinals, uh, it's uh, it's very important for the for the institution for the for the club itself, and especially because the the beginning of of the season for Atleti hasn't been easy at all. Like uh, they had that big defeat against Barca, then the coach resigned it, so it was like uh, like what's going on here? No, unfortunately for them, like uh, this uh, in October things began to, you know, uh, to go quite well again. They, they began to get in the rhythm. And, this, uh, and the fact that they are now in the quarterfinals means that Atleti is coming back. And, uh, and uh, why not? Uh, they, they are going to fight in, in Europe for, for getting another historic milestone, for sure. And they are going to fight also for La Liga and for La Copa de la Reina. And what are the Atletico Madrid players that you think people should keep an extra eye on? For me, for example, they, I mean, one of the, of the things that made uh, the beginning of the season so hard for Atleti was that uh, they lost uh, Jenny Hermoso, who decided to go back to Barcelona. And I mean, she was a Pichichi last season. And as I said, she's the best Spanish player. So that was a really big loss. They signed it, um, they, they wanted to sign Naikari Garcia, which is the star of the Real Sociedad. But in the very end, when everything was already arranged, she decided to, to stay in, in Real Sociedad. So then they signed Charlene Corral, the Mexican striker from Levante which is a very good player, but um, let's say that uh, her adaptation to the, to the team hasn't been uh, easy. Uh, now she's getting into the, she's, get, she's getting there and actually she's not, not, in get, not only getting there, but uh, doing really, really well. And so for me, she's one of the key players of the team. And I would also recommend you to watch uh, in the defensive line, uh, Laia Alexandri. She's, uh, she's outstanding and she's so young. She's, uh, she's 19 years old. And she, she's going to be one of the best defense, defenders in Europe. I'm, I'm completely, I mean, I'm completely sure about this. And then in the midfield, for me, one player that makes uh, differences is Angela Sosa. And as I'm in the north, just before we go on to the, to the next, I would like to just go down a little bit in the Basque country when it comes to women's football as well. Because uh, when I've been traveling around Spain, there is probably nowhere where I've directly felt that here they actually really, really care about women's football uh, and probably more than, than anywhere else in the country than I have in, in the Basque country when it comes to Athletic Club de Bilbao and, and Real Sociedad, who, as I've understood, is two of the clubs where you have a longer history of, of women's football in general. How are these two clubs doing in, in the current format of the league? Real Sociedad uh, had an historic season last year. They won the Copa de la Reina, which was the first uh, title for them. And it was, it was, it was huge. I mean, like, uh, it was huge for the club 
and then they could keep uh, their main star, which is Nagikari Garcia. The problem of uh, Real, uh, because I think they have a, a nice uh, team full of uh, young and talented players, but uh, they are too dependent of uh, Naikari. So, for example, now that she's injured, um, she's been injured for the for uh, for the past uh, weeks. Um, they are they've been struggling a bit. Yes. Before you continue. I would just like to point out one thing that I found pretty cool when I was in uh, in uh, San Sebastian is when you went into their club shop, they had uh, Naikari t-shirts, normal t-shirts with uh, a drawing of her that you could buy. And I've never really seen that kind of women's merchandise in uh, football clubs before and especially in, in clubs that have so, so big male teams. Yes, I found it pretty cool. Yes, uh, and I mean, she's the, she's the big idol there. She's... Uh... She's like the like the emblem of the of the club. So 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 it was uh, very important that she decided to to stay longer in the club. But when she's not, because you know, uh, because uh, she gets injured or whatever, or if she at some point of the season is not in good shape, for me the big challenge for the for the team is gonna show that they are more than Naikari, you know. And about the athletic club, to be honest, I was expecting a bit more because they also have uh, a very interesting uh, team, a very interesting squad with uh, some veteran players that uh, have been there from, you know, <laughs> from the ancient times. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, they have that... Uh, that way, that that belonging uh, spirit with the club, they are very committed, and they also have a few of a bunch of uh, young uh, players that are doing very good, like uh, Damaris Segurola or Maite Oroz and Lucia Garcia, which for me is uh, one of the of the best players uh, for Spain in the in the World Cup in France, but she's been injured, so I don't know if. You know, if as it happened with uh, as it happens with uh, Naikari and La Real Sociedad, maybe uh, Athletic is struggling a bit when when Lucia is not is not there. But they also hired um, a very a very good coach uh, this season, Villa, Angel Villacampa, who was uh, the coach that led uh, Atlético de Madrid to the two first uh, league titles. So, you know, this is just the beginning. So hopefully as, uh, as we continue, uh, they, will, they will be in a better position. Now they are in the seventh position in the table. But I was expecting, you know, maybe fourth position, third position, you know, maybe not fighting for the title because this is super complicated if you are not uh, Atleti or Barca, but... Uh, but uh, you know, why not dreaming with a third position? Perfect. So we've been talking for, for a bit now. So just before we end, let's quickly uh, kind of go through what teams have been the surprises for you so far this season and what teams you expected more of. Uh, so if you start with your surprises, who, what teams would that well, be? Well, apart from Deportivo, which has been amazing. Um, I think that the big surprises are, 
Rayo Vallecano and, and Logroño because both teams are one of the are the one of the humblest teams in La Liga. Actually, Rayo Vallecano has the lowest budget. I think it's around 200,000 euros. So, you know, just compare with, uh, I think Barca this year is uh, around three and a half million. So, you know, it's like night and day. <laughs> but uh, actually, Rayo got a draw against Barca. They are in the fifth position. And before the beginning of the, of the season, all the experts were saying, well, probably Rayo is going to be relegated. Um, they are having so many, they are going to struggle a lot to, to continue in Primera División. But look at them. They, the team, the, 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 the players of this team, they are warriors. And they are fighting, fighting, fighting. And well, there we go. They are in, on fifth position. And the same with... Uh, with Logroño, nobody expected to to see them on top of the you know on the top part of the table. But the reality is that uh, the captain Jade Bojo, uh, which is a, the forward of the team, she's doing really well. She has already scored, I think it's five goals, and uh, you know that uh, for me those are the the big uh, surprises, the big positive surprises. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Uh, and which are the big negative surprises then? Well, for me, I mean, we we have already discussed it about Tacon. Actually, for me, is I don't know if it's a surprise or yes, you know, like uh, for me, Tacon was like the big incognita in this liga, um, and I think they are they are going to improve uh, during the tournament. But uh, the fact that Espanol is in the last position. Uh, it's uh, it's very sad because uh, as, as we were discussing, I mean, this is a team with a lot of history. Like uh, they were never relegated, and they've been playing in the elite for more than 16 years. And the fact that you see them in the in the lower part of the table and and they try and they try, but they they are not. They they only have uh, one point. After eight games, it's uh, it's sad and and well, let's see let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, the, it's still very early in the league, so you, you never know. But I personally am as well very surprised to see Espanol that far down because it's even though I not followed the the women's football in Spain as closely as I should have, <laughs> uh, it seemed that you you know always been very good and especially their youth development on both the men's and the women's side has always been very strong. Exactly. I think that is, I think we've got covered most things and I, for one, have learned a lot about the, the women's league, which I find very fascinating because it's growing and growing all the time. It's been a blast having you with me today, Lisa. Thank you so much, Alex. You've been a very good substitute to Lee, and I think that you you know a lot more about women's football than he does, so that's uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah so in the end normally Lee makes me say goodbye in different languages so Elisa can you say goodbye in, uh, in any languages hasta luego <laughs> that's all we need bye everyone and see you next time ciao 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 ciao